It's time to lock in. The most amazing, sensational, dramatic, exciting, thrilling finish. Live from Mobile, Sports Radio 105.5 WNSP presents 99 yards away. Win this game for one another. The final drive with Corey Labounty and Michael Bronner. Do your job and play together. The final drive. Live on 105.5 FM and streaming on the Sound of Mobile app. I cannot believe it! Welcome to the final drive on WNSP 105.5. Hope everyone is having a wonderful Wednesday. We're with you from 3 to 6 today and... As always, I have my partner with me, Michael Brauner. Good afternoon, Michael. How's everything going, my friend? Oh, it's going well. We're entering the best week of the year. Well, maybe not the best week, but we're entering the best season of the year, and that's the college basketball postseason. You know, already getting started last night. I was hoping we were going to have a little bit of a closer game between Gonzaga and St. Mary's in the West Coast Conference Championship, but it was not to be. Gonzaga was just the significantly better team, even though St. Mary's was the one seed in the tournament. That's why they were wearing white jerseys and Gonzaga was wearing blue, but uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know if you watched that last night, but that was quite the beatdown. I did stick around to to watch that one, stayed up a little late to watch, of course, all the March Madness that's going on within the conference tournaments. And, of course, we do have Nick Wiggins behind the glass taking your telephone calls, 251-694-1055. And, Nick, good afternoon, my friend. Hope all is well with you. Yeah, man. It's good to see you again. Uh, it was nice seeing you at the Sims Chamber of Commerce lunch today. That was a fun event where you and I and Kelly Finley uh, were speaking. That was a great time. Coach Golson of MGM was there. Uh, I had a good time. Did you enjoy it? it? It was wonderful opportunity to sit and meet some exciting people within the Sims community. And, of course, the opening kickoff will be going to Mary G. Montgomery on the 31st of March, making that historic first stop there. So, right. again, we had an opportunity to see Coach Golson and catch up with the MGM Vikings family and community. And, of course, we're going to be catching up with you guys next Wednesday. Next Wednesday at Moe's Barbecue downtown on March 15th. Of course, we're excited about our 2023 March Madness Matchup Challenge that's going to be at Moe's Barbecue downtown. And 64 of our listeners, okay, random team that you're going to be selecting, and that's competing in the big dance. And if your team wins that you pick for the big dance, you can win the grand prize here at WNSP. And catch that new flat screen television from Bailey's TV and mattress. Or you can get you that two one-hour jet ski rentals up to three people that can be on two separate jet skis. That's two adults and one kid on two separate jet skis that you can go and enjoy as far as from Gulf Coast Water Rentals and... All that goes down next Wednesday at Moe's Barbecue in regards to WNSP's 2023 March Madness Matchup Challenge. To qualify today, of course, you're listening for that March Madness theme song, Luther Vandross, one shining moment. And when you hear that, make sure you give Nick 
a call and be the first person to call and you'll qualify for an opportunity for that wonderful prize package that we're offering here at WNSP. Next Wednesday, we would love to see you at Moe's Barbecue, and it's one of the most exciting times of the year that you can have in regards to filling out brackets and doing the, the bracket challenge. And we'll see here from a WNSP standpoint right here in our office who can have that winning bracket. Now, a lot of people say, I don't like multiple brackets. Is it cheating when you yes. fill out multiple brackets? I mean, if it makes you feel good that your fifth bracket, uh, oh, my main bracket didn't do well, but my fourth bracket, yeah, you, you fill out one bracket. You fill, uh, and, and if you're in multiple pools, that's understandable. You have the same Final Four and the same winner, and if it gets busted, it's busted. Oh, one bracket's busted, but don't worry. This one's all good. It is a good, is a good topic because I get pretty passionate about this one every year. But, but with, with the most thing, by the way, people are calling it the greatest prize pack in sports radio history. I don't know. I, that's just what people are saying. I, I mean, not my words. That's just what people are saying. Anyway, I mean, if you think about it right now, just a week from today at this Moe's event, I mean, the field's going to be set. It's going to be first four games. We're going to know who Alabama's playing. We're going to know who Auburn is playing. I mean, we're 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 on the cusp, everyone, of the greatest sporting event of the entire year. And at Moe's Barbecue a week from today, I mean, there's going to be a bracket in front of us. Is, is that not just the greatest thing ever? I, I love it because, again, you just have an opportunity to see. You have sometimes every single year a 15 beats a 2. But I, I just, I really, when I see the brackets come out, I... I, I have really struggled picking a two seed to lose to a 15 seed. And it happens every single year. The 16 versus one, I think it's only happened maybe once or twice. One time. In the history ever. of the tournament. That's not what you're really used to seeing. But you're definitely used to seeing 15s and twos go down to the wire. Maybe three out of four, 75% of the time, you'll have at least one of those two. And sometimes it's even 50% of your two seeds that get upset. I, I, I don't think every year a two seed is... I'd have to go back and, and look, but it certainly is relatively common. Obviously, we saw Kentucky lose to St. Peter's, who made the magical run to the Elite Eight last season under Coach Shaheen Holloway, another coach of Seton Hall, uh, who is not going to make the tournament, unfortunately. They've had a pretty rough year up in up in New Jersey. But anyway, that being said, yeah, I mean, it, it, it is relatively common. I think you could see like a Tennessee, maybe. I'm just throwing that out there without without Zakai Ziegler. I think they're still going to be a two seed. Maybe, maybe they drop to a three if uh, if they don't win a couple games in the SEC tournament. But speaking of the SEC tournament, by the way, came out on WNSP.com today. You can go and check out my preview and predictions on the entire SEC tournament. And, you know... There, there's some I got some wild upsets in there. I think the the championship matchup is maybe a little bit chalk. I'll tell you what, this will entice, uh, and I'll send the link in the app. This will entice you to go read it. I do not have Alabama winning the SEC tournament. Well, if you don't have Alabama winning it, with the first round getting started right around six o'clock, as soon as we get off the air, Ole Miss and South Carolina. LSU and Georgia playing the late slate tonight in the first round. 
Who do you have winning it, Mike? Just put it out there. LSU draw. Yeah, so we're it, tonight is the the start of the SEC tournament. It's it's Wednesday sadness, meaning uh, the bottom feeders of the SEC are, are are taking each other on. LSU against Georgia. I think these are two teams that probably, if you gave them the option, would just choose to not play. And the, the, these are two teams that are just there out of obligation. I guess I'll go with Georgia, two first-year coaches. I don't know. These are just two awful basketball teams. Uh, I, I mean, it's not. It's going to be a disgusting game. That's just the reality of, of uh, the Wednesday of the SEC tournament. Uh, there's no getting around it. And then Ole Miss in South Carolina. Ole Miss is favored by, like, seven points. They've actually been playing pretty well since, uh, since Kermit Davis was relieved of his duties. They were actually played pretty well in his last game, too, losing by four to Auburn. But... I mean, I think I, I I'm going with South Carolina. I even though they're they're seven point underdogs tonight, I think they just have they have some really talented. I mean, that's probably just because they played Alabama close, and uh, they actually lost by Tennessee by forty the next time out after that Alabama game. But I don't know. I, I they have some NBA talent in Columbia. Ole Miss eleven and twenty, South Carolina eleven and twenty, but it is. SEC tournament basketball, of course. Ole Miss thinking about knowing that they need a new head coach. Chris Beard's name has really been at the top and has been mentioned today as a possible top candidate. And with Chris Beard leaving Texas the way that he left, decided not to press charges, his girlfriend that was, and that pretty much clears his name in regards to prosecution and the firestorm that would surround him would just be about domestic violence and that would really be the only cloud that's over his head because outstanding job he did at Texas Tech and when he given the opportunity to take the Texas job he was paid very very handsomely and kind of forfeited that salary but I just don't know if that will be the way that they decide to go. And, of course, LSU and Georgia. Georgia comes in 16-15, and 15, LSU 13-18. and 18. But, again, college basketball, winner, go home time. All four of these teams, no matter what, doesn't matter who wins the game, they're going to face a next opponent who's probably going to send them home anyway. Yeah, I mean, sometimes you you can see a, a first four team make a run to Friday. I don't really see it with with any of these four teams. Uh, you brought up Chris Beard and Ole Miss. It, it does seem like that's what's going to happen. Um, and that's a tough conversation. Chris Beard is, obviously, we know he's a, he's a really, really good basketball coach. He took Texas Tech all the way to the national championship. Like you said, he got a huge contract to go back to his alma mater at Texas. Uh, and then, obviously, that ended pretty quickly when the allegations that arose came out this season. And, you know, if mor- morally, uh, it- it's probably questionable, but I guess he's he's been cleared legally. So, I mean, he was going to coach again. I mean, he's, he's too good of a coach. since The fact that he's been cleared legally, he's too good of a coach to not coach again. Get started, Ole Miss-South Carolina winner will have to play Tennessee, and that's going to be a, a, a tough knock no matter how you look at it. The LSU-Georgia winner will see Vanderbilt. And what did you think about when the co-SEC coaches of the year come out, Jerry Stackhouse, 
winning co-SEC coach of the year, trying to get the Commodores as a sixth seed a little love and respect. And, of course, Coach Buzz at Texas A&M is your other co-coach of the year. Yeah, I think they got it right. Uh, you know, it's easy to sit here and say, oh, Nate Oates went 16-2, had the, you know, had the best team. Like, he should be coach of the year. And Alabama was picked fifth or sixth in the, in the league before the season. So you, you could make that argument. As it turned out, Alabama's roster was a lot more talented than a lot of people gave it credit for before the season. So I don't really have an issue with it not get, all off-court stuff aside, you know, just from a strictly basketball perspective, I don't have an issue with NATO. It's not winning that award. Uh, obviously, Jerry Stackhouse is, I mean, Vanderbilt's a sixth seed in the SEC tournament, earning a bye. It is a team that lost by 57 in Tuscaloosa. And then Buzz Williams, A&M, I mean, they were phenomenal this year. They, I mean, they were the second in the SEC. Had, you know, he did a great job in the transfer portal. He got the most out of his guys. That team does not miss free throws. They're they're the most prolific free throw shooting team maybe that I've ever seen. And uh, we'll, we'll see what happens in the postseason. I, I think a and probably looking at like a five-ish seed, which is kind of – I mean, some people think is a bit – a bit low, a bit unfair. They didn't really play anyone in non-conference, and you know all, all the the metrics don't love a And M. But the win over Alabama should help them seeding wise. I I mean I I think they got it right with with Buzz and and Jerry Stackhouse. Those two guys, co-coaches of the year in the Southeastern Conference, and mentioned tomorrow, of course, starting at noon, you have Mississippi State taking on the Florida Gators. Trey Bonham. Uh, a young Florida Gator having an opportunity to, at times this year, start for Florida. We'll see if he's able to lead Florida over Mississippi State. And, of course, I mentioned the winner of the Ole Miss-South Carolina game does play Tennessee. But the game that really intrigues me the most, of course, is that 6 o'clock p.m. tip-off between Arkansas yeah. and Auburn. That's Your 7-10 matchup I think is going to be one of the one of the more special games to start southeastern conference play certainly the uh best matchup on paper that that's at least guaranteed to happen i think missouri tennessee if it happens will be phenomenal as well but in terms of matchups that are set already auburn arkansas it's hard to get a read on this one i i, I mean i think both teams are in uh in terms of the ncaa tournament regardless of what happens in this one i mean i've had a lot of people tweet things like oh you know these are two desperate teams playing for a tournament so not really i i think maybe you could argue Arkansas, but I, I still think they're going to be in regardless. I think Auburn is a lock. I lean slightly towards Arkansas on this one just because I think they're a bit more talented. I think Arkansas actually makes a little bit of a run in the SEC tournament. And then you brought up Mississippi State and Florida, who the winner of plays Alabama. Welcome back to the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. Corey Labounty along with Michael Brauner. And we have Nick Wiggins taking your telephone calls and producing the show behind the glass. 251-694-1055 is how you can get in touch with this. And don't forget, we're qualifying for listeners in the morning time and on here the final drive 
for our 2023 March Madness Matchup Challenge that will be next Wednesday at Moe's Barbecue Downtown. That's March 15th at 6 o'clock p.m. We would love to see you there. And if you're not able to get through and qualify again, you'll have an opportunity to come by Moe's to qualify because we're going to leave eight open spots available so you can have a chance to get in and become a qualifier during that night but you must be present at moe's barbecue in downtown mobile in order to win uh, and why wouldn't you want to be present y- y- you've got to be <laughs> present i mean there's no question about it. it's the best time of year and of course to to have an opportunity to to win the fantastic grand prize that's being made available that flat screen television from bailey's tv and mattress and an opportunity to get on a couple of jet skis from Gulf Coast water rentals. You can't beat that either, Mike. And it's something here along the Gulf Coast that getting in the water and having an opportunity, even if you've never been jet skiing, it's a wonderful chance to to get to do that. Like I said, people are calling it uh, the greatest prize pack in sports radio history. I, people are saying. Well, I, I tell you what people are saying is the fact that the Saints – Pulled the trigger on Derek Carr as the new quarterback. And I'm not quite sure if if Derek Carr is the answer for the Saints at quarterback. But at this point in time, I would personally take Derek Carr over Jameis Winston. Yeah, that goes without saying. And, And you say you're not sure if he's the answer and i'm not sure either but he's an answer uh to to a big question so four years 150 million for Derek carr with 100 million dollars in guaranteed money 70 million fully guaranteed again i mean we could have a three-hour show debating the intricacies of nfl contracts it's more complicated than uh than anyone cares to hear about or i understand so but it's a big contract for Derek carr to be the the quarterback of the saints and I mean, Derek Carr is, what, probably a top 10 to 15 quarterback in the league? He, he's certainly an improvement over what the – you, you disagree there? He's definitely not top 10. Top 10 to if 15? If he was top 10, I think Vegas would have done some things to keep him happy and keep him there, right? Well, I mean, obviously this year I, – I mean, I think you can't really judge it off of this year with a, with a new what coach. What judging it off of? I'm just, I mean, if you look at his whole body of work, he's he's been a top 10 quarterback for a lot of his career. Has he ever played in a playoff game? Yeah, he lost to the Bengals last year, and, uh, and then the year he made the playoffs, he tore his ACL in Week 17, and, oh, man, I think Connor Cook had to start a playoff game for the Raiders. But all that being said, uh, you know, I'm not here to debate whether Derek Carr is a top 10. I, I don't think he's a top 10 quarterback, my point being, you know, in that 12, 13-ish range. Mm-hmm. You know, he's an above-average quarterback, without uh, without a doubt. Well, how how many teams are in the NFL? 32. So if he's in that, like, 15-ish range, is that above average or is that the definition of average? <laughs> I mean, I would I would consider 14 to 17 average. I, like I said, I'd put him around 12. I mean, well... We'll pick another show to, to make a full list here. So, sure. I, you know, I don't have the list of quarterbacks in front of me. But for the sake of this conversation, let's call Derek Carr the 12th or 13th best quarterback in the league. James Winston, Jake Luton, Andy Dalton, and Derek Carr. Yeah. That's your roster now. I mean, Derek Carr's the guy at this point. You're bringing him in and giving him a lot of money to, to be the starter. And, again, it, it's an improvement. I, I just... 
the Saints are in such a weird spot. They since Drew Brees is retired, they've been caught between not wanting to be irrelevant and not committing to a full rebuild, and now you have to give a a, a pretty average quarterback a big contract to because Jameis Winston and Andy Dalton are your two other options and. I, I think the NFC South is in such bad shape, especially after the retirement of Tom Brady, that this move does enough to win you the division. Without it, and if it doesn't win you the division, Dennis Allen is not making it to a year three. I mean, the NFC South is a mess. It's terrible. Uh, it's it's just it's the worst division in football I, by a mile. I, I I just don't understand paying a quarterback forty million dollars if you know you aren't going to go to a Super Bowl with him. That, Why I, even pay the guy the money? That's what Put I. It that's, somewhere else, draft a quarterback, do something else. Why are you doing it? That's about what I was getting. To, but here's the thing they don't have a first round pick so that my point being it's like they didn't have a choice they have to pay Derek Carr otherwise run it back with Jameis Winston and Andy Dalton uh they've severely mismanaged the, their their draft capital and the roster so here you are having to pay Derek Carr and again you're going to win the division but does Derek Carr make you a Super Bowl contender no absolutely not do the Saints have a cap because when you start looking at it <laughs> it, it, it makes me wonder is there such thing as a salary cap for the Saints? Because the absurd amount of money that's being spent, it, it just makes me wonder. Well, as we know, uh, NFL salary cap is not real. You know, these these GMs just, you know, figure out a way to get around it and kick the can down the road. And I think that's what the Saints have done for a few years now. So, again... Yeah, and, and Tuco just said in the app, all QBs that are halfway decent are making $40 million. Like, $40 million is not today what it was five years ago. It's not like Derek Carr is making top five quarterback money. He's he's making, you know, top ten quarterback money, but by the time Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, Jalen Hurts get extended, it's he's going to be—Derek Carr is going to be making around the money that represents the, the level of quarterback that he is. It's just the way quarterback money has gone in the NFL, so— yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't think it was a bad move by the Saints, but no, I, I don't think it makes them a Super Bowl contender. But then again, you don't have a first-round pick, so so what are, what are your other alternatives? The Saints should have just committed to a full rebuild well, what, after Drew Brees. What, what is Andy Dalton getting paid this year? I don't know. Very, very, uh, a small amount of money. It, let's let's just call it potatoes in, Is in it comparison. like five mil? Probably around that. All right, so if we're doing math, then that would mean for our value to be equal— Derek Carr has to be eight, eight times, times better than Andy Dalton. And he's not. And, and he's not. You, you are. I mean, that being said, the Saints won seven games this year, and their biggest problem was quarterback play. The Saints win the division with Derek Carr this past year, 100%. So, I mean, do they win a playoff game? The NFC, it, it's also like, it's a lot more wide open than the AFC is. You can make a run in that NFC. I mean, the Eagles are getting gouged. But besides the Eagles and the Niners, I mean, it's just not the AFC. Uh, you can make a run in the NFC. So... I mean, I don't, I, I don't know. I don't know. You say they can make a run, but then you name two teams that they have no chance in hell of beating. So how far? Hey, are we they, really hey, they did, they did beat the Eagles towards the end of the season. This Three year. million in, in, Philadelphia, in Philadelphia, for the record. Three million for Andy Dalton in one year. But I, again, going back to, is Derek Carr better than Andy Dalton and Jameis Winston? Absolutely, he is. And I think that that's why the Saints said we don't have a leader in the building. And you've had an opportunity, Jameis Winston, you've had an opportunity, Andy Dalton, to take us to the next level. Because, again, when you mentioned the NFC South being the worst division in the National Football League, by far, I, I think that because it was the worst division, the Saints did have a couple of games to where they could have taken over control of that division. And eight wins, you would have been atop the NFC South. 
the the Buccaneers eight and nine. Yeah, if so, you if you don't blow that game in Tampa Bay, where uh, I mean it was a I guess the vintage Tom Brady comeback, but also a vintage you know Saints blew the game. Uh, if you don't blow that game, you win the division. Uh, both teams are eight and nine at that point. I think the Saints. Or I think the Bucks won it at nine and eight. You know, you know the Falcons. They had a couple oh, wacky go. games where they lost. We we they should have beat been, the Saints week one. Fair uh, fair we enough. Should have beat the Bucks too. Yeah. I mean, it's a bad it's a bad division. I don't think anyone's arguing that it's wide open. Any of the four teams can win, but I think getting Derek Carr puts you in a significantly better spot than any of the other three teams. I feel like it raises your floor, but it also lowers your ceiling. But uh, you know, at (laughs) at pick number twenty nine is where the Saints, because of the Sean Payton deal and a, a great catch right there in the app in regards to the Saints now having a first round which pick. is essentially a second round pick but at 29 that that's better than not having one at sure. all and, and you're still having an opportunity to say okay let's make it to round two or round three and kind of see where we stand but now that you do have your quarterback you do have other issues that you have to address and I just think that a lot of the Saints fans here around the surrounding area want the Saints to take over the NFC South, and they're hoping that Derek Carr can get it done. And what we are getting done is through with our second segment here on the final drive on WNSP 105.5. And coming up next, we'll have Bill Bender from the Sporting News joining us here on the final drive on WNSP. Hi, this is Blake Stein, former Spring Hill Badger and Kansas City Royal, and you're listening to WNSP Sports Radio. Welcome back to the final drive on WNSP 105.5. Corey LeBounty joining you along with Michael Brauner here, Nick Wiggins behind the glass producing the show, and want to welcome in our next guest from the Sporting News, Bill Bender. Bill, good afternoon. How's everything going for you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure for you to be joining us today. And, of course, everybody's topic is about March Madness, but there's also spring football that's in the air and rule changes that are being proposed that some coaches like, some coaches don't like. Nick Saban has weighed in about what he feels about the incomplete pass and the first down and the clock still running. But this time of year, Auburn started spring practice last week. You have Mississippi State that's getting after it. It's just that time of year for college football to reenact itself and get started back up. Yeah, you know, spring football is going on. It's always a fun time of year. I saw those clock proposal rules last week. Um, I think it makes sense. I mean, I'm from a generation where the game used to be about two hours and 50 minutes. And they, once you start, I'm just telling you guys, as a father of kids who it's it's hard to get them to pay attention to something for 20 minutes, that generation is not going to watch a four-hour college football game. So I think it's just keeping it in that window of two hours and 50 minutes and three hours and 15 minutes that college football really has to shoot to get to. Bill, also, not only with college football going on, you definitely have March Madness that's going on. And 
I know that I can't wait for a selection Sunday. You already have about 13 teams that have punched their ticket. And when you go ahead and you fill out your bracket, do you do and cheat and do multiple brackets? Or do you hold on to that one bracket and go all the way through with it? Oh, you sound like my college roommate, man, calling me a cheater for uh, oh, no, filling out multiple brackets. I, I do cheat. Okay? No! So he, I have the roommate college. I, I'm just making a joke there, but my college roommate he's only filled out one. Always. And I respect him for it, but I'm like, and like we would argue about it at length. And um, no, I, I, I do fill multiple brackets, and all of them are pretty much haywire by the end of the first weekend anyway but do you have one like is it the situation where oh this is my main bracket but oh bracket number three oh we're all good here i it's i, I can't stand it every march i hear this well no i have like a general rule that okay so i probably will do my cousin's bracket now listen <laughs> and i'll tell you this is like a kid that grew up in you know working class town in ohio and my mom i always tell this story to people about why this is my favorite time of year is my mom used to do work in a factory and they had this big factory pool and i but when i was a kid i filled it out for her every year because she knew i was watching it and i'll tell you guys this story real quick she's still mad at me about chris weber calling the timeout <laughs> because i picked michigan to win that game for her and we would have won a lot of money um but uh, she still blames me for Chris Weber calling that timeout. And I always have to tell her mom, I didn't call the darn timeout. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's one of those unforgettable final four moments. And also the number of tournament games that are going on right now, when you start looking at, to me, the blue bloods of college basketball, I know UCLA today, one of their star players had, been diagnosed with a torn Achilles and UCLA again being a top blue blood program top four in the country currently but when you have late injuries as we saw with Kenyon Martin from Cincinnati a few years ago the tournament selection committee goes ahead and changes your seating line and that may be the case for the UCLA Bruins but Gonzaga regardless of what people say are to me one of the true blue bloods now of college basketball yeah, UCLA, you bring up a great point. And as soon as you started saying that, I was like, Danielle Martin's the first one I think of. Because I actually, that's another one where I know exactly where I was when he broke his leg. Because that was a Cincinnati team capable of winning the national championship. They were they were awesome. Um, so Gonzaga last night looked really good. And I think Gonzaga without an unbeaten record and without a number one seed and still with Drew Timmy, who's played forever it seems like, is a very dangerous team in the tournament because they score better than everybody else. They lead the nation in scoring. I consider them. They're not like a mid-major or anything. Like that. They're, they're blue blood. So they're going to be a very dangerous team in this tournament. Well, not only them being a dangerous tournament, the SEC tournament does start tonight in Alabama, an overall number one seed. And do you see the top two seeds making it through here in the SEC tournament with Brandon Miller and all the scrutiny and all the eyes that have been on the University of Alabama being able to come out unscathed from the SEC tournament and playing Texas A&M on the other side of the bracket? Or do you think Kentucky may be able to find its way to the top? Well, Kentucky's certainly talented. A&M's had a great season. Now, Alabama, it's, I'm not, <coughs> excuse me, 
I'm not ducking the question. Oh. I think it's hard to gauge with 18 to 22-year-olds how they're going to come out and react. You know, I saw Brandon Miller talk today. I think that's a good step that, he, you know, he, he's not, they're not going to shield him from the media through this tournament run. He's an, a fantastic player. But I, as far as, like, how they come out on the court, it's anybody's guess. They have not played well the last couple weeks of the season by their standards. Um but Nate Oates is a pretty good tournament coach. So I, I guess I didn't really duck the question there, but you know what I'm getting at? It, they are going to be one of those teams that going to be tough to see how, because I think the longer that weighs on you, you know, these are kids. And I know, you know, that's in the locker room. Yeah, no, you, you, you didn't duck the question. You, you, you answered, you would answered it uh, fa- fair enough there. Yeah. Brandon Miller did speak today. Obviously, you know, he said, I, I would say all all the right things in terms of he he uh you know gave his thoughts and prayers to the the tragedy and said I I can't comment further than that is it going to be a march where he's kind of asked the same question over and over again and and gives the same response over and over again probably because I I think you got to remember another I was talking about this with somebody yesterday Alabama's a team that didn't lose at home this year. And on the road, it was a different story. In the NCAA tournament, it's not just Alabama. It's anybody with a number one or number two next to them. When they're in an arena, everybody else but their fan base is rooting against them. And you have to, like, combat that, especially in the first two rounds where people love the first-round upset. They love the second-round upset. And if those things happen, um, Man, you know, you wonder how, how that's going to respond. But I do think they'll get through the first weekend. I'm anxious to see how they play this weekend in that neutral site environment against everybody else, like you said, A&M, Kentucky. I mean, even a team like Tennessee. Tennessee hasn't been right the last couple of weeks either. So, uh, And then Vanderbilt's the only SEC team I think can play their way in. You know what I mean? Everybody else is pretty much in the tournament that's going to make it, but Vanderbilt's that team to watch on the bubble. On the bubble, Jerry Stackhouse, we just mentioned it, being the SEC Co-Coach of the Year. I think that win over Kentucky really solidified him trying to get over to over the hump. And like you said, having a couple of possible wins in the SEC tournament I think definitely would put them in. And not only that, Let's go. We talked about health wise with Kenyon Martin a few years ago with Cincinnati, but the Auburn Tigers coming into the SEC tournament with Cardwell being healthy. And you mentioned the Tennessee Volunteers with their best defender, Ziegler, being out with a torn ACL. I think that makes a big difference in Tennessee, even though they did their body of work early and possibly being a two or three seed. It's one of those games to where. As our listeners hear, that 12-5 and that 15-2 matchup are always interesting. Oh, yeah. You know, and as we get in the tournament, I mean, there's two teams already. Again, I'm kind of sidetracked here, but I have to get this on the air. Um, Oral Roberts and Charleston, teams that won 30 games in the regular season, they're probably going to be on that 12 line. So it's my way of saying Tennessee, Kentucky, you don't want to be on that five line because you're going to catch one of them too, possibly if you do. Um, and teams that – I looked this stat up today. The teams that have won 30 games or more, not from power conferences and not named Gonzaga, in the last 10 years there's been 12 of them, and they're 10-2 and two in the first round. 
So I would not want to play Charleston and Oral Roberts. They, they're good teams. They're experienced teams. Oral Roberts destroyed your bracket a couple years ago, and they're very capable of doing it again. Talking to Bill Bender from the Sporting News. It, it, admittedly, Bill, we did plan to have you on to talk about college football. I didn't intend for this to turn into the college basketball segment, so I will ask you about the SEC scheduling dilemma. And uh, you know, Nick Saban kind of had a a complaint, a public complaint about uh, the the permanent rotating opponents. Looking, I mean, obviously not Auburn, Tennessee, but probably wanted Mississippi State over LSU. Do you do you agree that it was probably a, a bad look and, and kind of a whiny look for for Nick Saban to complain about this? No. (laughs) So my editor and I talked through this, and I said the only reason he has a point is because it's the same conversation that's probably going to – and I live in Columbus, as you guys know. It's the same conversation they're going to have in Ohio State Mm. in a few years when they're like, Ohio State's projected opponents are Michigan, Penn State, and uh, USC. Why are we playing the three best programs? And and he's got a point because I don't think he would be as adamant about it had – if Tennessee was still down. But Tennessee's up right now, and LSU's still good. And Auburn, you never know. I mean, they can. that's a big rivalry. I think they have the hardest three opponents. And you got to remember, I mean, this isn't just for when Saban's there. If whenever the next coach is there, they definitely have the most difficult schedule. Now, granted, they play all these teams every year right now anyway, but that's before a potential trip to Oklahoma or Georgia or Texas and, and the changing dynamic. I thought LSU's protected opponent should have been Auburn, Tennessee, and Mississippi State. I think that would have been a good compromise. And I, and I know, I believe Mississippi State, Alabama is the longest um, continuous matchup in the SEC. I hope I'm right about that. I was told that. I think you are. Definitely the closest matchup for sure. And, um, you know, it's it's. That's one that kind of balances that out. And you're still going to play an LSU every four years or every other year on the at home and away. And I think that makes sense to me because the best thing about this 3-6 schedule that the SEC is going to end up pull, pushing through is that I, – and I don't know who you guys' teams are, but say for Alabama, for example. We're both Alabama they get to play. <laughs> yeah, so if you're both Alabama guys, you don't have to wait 20 years to go play at the Swamp. You know what I mean? They'll play every team once every four years in that spot. I think it's a great thing. Bill Bender, want to thank you for joining us this afternoon on the final drive and want to let everyone know how they can go ahead and get all your great coverage from the Sporting News. Hey, man, that was a fun conversation. But I'm I'm fired up because March Madness, this is one of my favorite weeks of the year. We'll have plenty of content at Sporting News at Bill Bender 92. You guys will hate to hear it, but I was a huge Reggie White guy from Green Bay Packers and all that stuff, and I know he's a Tennessee guy. But um, we're going to have a ton of content this week. Go check it out, and it's always great to talk to you guys. Thank you, Bill. Bill Bender from the Sporting News joining us this afternoon on the final drive, and we'll be right back. My name is David Palmer, and I'm on WNFC 105.5. The ball is tipped, and there you are. You're running for your life. You're a shooting star. And all the years, no one knows just how hard you worked. But now it shows. It's all 
song means. Be the first to call Nick on the phone to guarantee your spot in March Madness matchup challenge at Moe's Barbecue downtown next Wednesday at 6 o'clock p.m. and a chance to win a brand new flat screen television from Bailey's TV and Mattress and two one-hour jet ski rentals for you and either two adults and one child or two adults from Gulf Coast Water Rentals. And when you hear that song again, you know what that means. It is March Madness Challenge time, and we will have March Madness coming up here tonight with the SEC starting their play. And, of course, you look at the matchups tonight, Mike, a couple of matchups that really aren't barn burner, but it is win or go home basketball. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're two bad teams, but I guess they're two good matchups in that they should be close. Uh, LSU, Georgia, I, I, can't, I can't figure it out. I, I think I, I'm going with Georgia and South Carolina, but it could very easily go go LSU and, and Ole Miss. I, I don't know. I, oh, Ole Miss and South Carolina and LSU and Georgia tonight. And, of course, we watched Gonzaga, the Zags. We've been talking about them being blue bloods, and somebody's going to have an opportunity to pick the Zags in our challenge. And, Nick, do we have a winner? That's right, Scott. Scott Scott can hope to have the Zags picked for him. Uh, but, yeah, hopefully, man, you can get paired up with a good team. Make well, sure Scott gets Oral Roberts for him. Yeah. <laughs> well, the only way that you can pick a good team is to give us a call when you do hear that one shining moment mo song montage that we do play. And three more opportunities this afternoon and this evening for you to qualify here on the final drive. And, of course, you can qualify on the opening kickoff. And I know that when you look at Gonzaga. We talked about them being a blue blood. Mm. How many times have they played since 1994 in the conference championship? Well, how many years are there since 1994? 29. Because it's every year. They it, haven't not been in the WCC championship since 1994, which is ridiculous. And consider the fact that it's a smaller – the uh, you know earning the bye gets you straight to the semifinals. That's why it's been uh, Gonzaga-St. Mary's for a lot of years in a row. But – I don't know. I, don't you have to be? Don't you have to win a national championship to be considered a blue blood? No, I don't think you have to be considered. They've never won a national championship in school history, for the record. Well, well let me ask you this: Do you think Auburn is a blue blood no. of college football? Of college? No. Oh. Well, well, well. well of, of I, I think football. no. That's a different conversation. Yeah, I mean, yes, that's a different conversation. Okay, that's but, a different but conversation how many national now. championships has Auburn won? Two. All right. So again, only two, and it's only two. But at the same time, they've won two more than a lot of schools, even though the appearance in the national championship is amazing in and of itself. But year in and year out, Coach Few finds a way with, with whether it's John Stockton or Timmy currently, who's now Gonzaga's all-time leading scorer to get it done and punch their way into the March Madison. And it's no longer... An upset. We got we got to get back into this one in a later uh, I, segment. I, we definitely will. Plenty of segments here to be had here on the final drive. And coming up, Dr. Joe Urban, Athletics Director of South Alabama, will be joining us on the final drive.
It's time to lock in. The most amazing, sensational, dramatic, exciting, thrilling finish. Live from Mobile, Sports Radio 105.5 WNSP presents 99 yards away. Win this game for one another. The final drive with Corey Labounty and Michael Bronner. Do your job and play together. The final drive. Live on 105.5 FM and streaming on the Sound of Mobile app. I cannot believe it! Welcome back to the final drive on WNSP 105.5. Corey Labounty, along with Michael Bronner, Nick Wiggins, producing today's show Behind the Glass. You can give us a call at 251-694-1055 is how you can get in. And don't forget, when you hear that one shining moment music, you know what that means. You have to give us a call, and Nick will be looking for your phone call. And it is to qualify for an opportunity to meet us at Moe's Barbecue downtown next Wednesday to where we will have our 2023 March Madness matchup challenge at Moe's Barbecue downtown. That's next Wednesday, March 15th. And you'll have an opportunity as a listener to pair up with a team that's competing in the tournament. And if your team does win the big dance, then you win that grand prize of the brand new flat screen television from Bailey's TV and mattress and an opportunity to try out those two one hour jet ski rentals for two adults and one child or two adults from Gulf Coast water rentals. So you don't want to miss out on that song playing. And I tell you, on Monday night, South Alabama men's basketball team just missed out on an opportunity to put on their dancing shoes. The eight-seeded Jaguars lost to the Raging Cajuns, and it was a a heartbreaking loss, 71-66, because South Alabama had really started playing its best basketball down the stretch, and I know – None bigger supporter than the South Alabama Athletics Director, Joel Erdman, who joins us this afternoon. Dr. Erdman, good afternoon, and thanks for joining us. Hey, fellas, I appreciate you having me. Dr. Erdman, I tell you, we really thought South Alabama was going to go dancing. They gave themselves an opportunity when Richie Riley had his introductory press conference five years ago. He said he came to South Alabama to cut down nets and win championships. And I really felt the COVID year, he had his first opportunity. And then this year as well, playing the Raging Cajuns and leading a majority of the game. Yeah, you're right. I mean, the, Coach Riley and 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 the team um, over the past four to five weeks have have just had an incredible run, uh, playing great basketball after a very challenging non-conference schedule, and and getting up to speed after the holidays. Um, I know it sounds cliche, but uh, the ability to get hot at the right time, which in our case is leading into the conference championship um, is is done with intention, right? It just it just doesn't happen, um, and and that that team uh, under Richie's leadership peaked at the exact right time. Um, the basketball they played in Pensacola at the Sun Belt tournament 
for those games was um, just fun to watch. I mean, and the the teams that we played and and beat um, were were very good basketball teams, and 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 the games were very physical, but they were also uh, tremendous games with great shots and, and, and great surges and runs. And uh, we were a lot of fun to watch. And, and that championship game against Louisiana, you know, we had that extra game that we played in that shorter period of time. So maybe they had a little bit more rest. But um, props to Louisiana. They have a very talented team and Coach Marlin over there. But uh, we had a really good shot at them, and we had a chance and just came up a little short. But um, all the credit to the team and the coaching staff because the, the – and, and to our fans in the city of Mobile that, that went to Pensacola in mass, um, it was a great night and it was a great show. I think so th- we appreciate everybody that made the effort. That's what makes it special with the conference tournament only being less than an hour away, having an opportunity for Jag Nation to play one of their biggest new rivalries in Southern Miss because when they came to the Mitchell Center, we had a wonderful crowd. And, of course, Southern Miss was number one ranked in the conference in the regular season and then again in the conference tournament. But when you go back and you look at Jag Nation's support and the way that they traveled during South Alabama's bowl appearance in New Orleans and making that three-hour drive or so over, again, Jag Nation, the red, white, and blue, the, the it makes a difference for the student athlete when they get a chance to see the fan support. It, it really does. I mean, it they they hear the support and and it, it it's inspiring um, and it's fun and and it's it it's growing that that base and that passion. Um, and then you know, there's there's an offset of that. I mean the. The, the national TV audience that, that watched the game Monday night, um, their perception and impression of the University of South Alabama and our team and our fans um, was very, very good. We made a great impression nationally, and, and people take notice, very similar to what happened in New Orleans at the RNL Carriers Bowl game. Um, we made a great impression nationally by the – the number of people that traveled to New Orleans, uh, that red was bright, and there was a lot of it. And and bowl organi- you know, bowl bowl organizers uh, noticed that. Um, sport committees like that in Pensacola that that helped put on the the championship notice who travels, and it makes a big difference, and it influences many things that can impact all of us in a very positive way. A difference maker will be had on the sidelines for South Alabama women's basketball going in a new direction. I know you're currently trying to find a women's basketball coach. And and, and regardless of what direction you decide to go in, I tell you, it's always a tough situation when you have a coach who has been successful with his student athletes, not only academically, but personally as well. To go in a different direction. It, it is, and you know, for those that know Terry Fowler, um, they know what I'm talking about. And for those that don't know Terry Fowler, 
Um, he is a tremendous basketball coach. He's a, uh, an inspirational human being that, that, that has a high level of integrity and character and represented the university in the game of college basketball as good as you can represent it. And, um, you know, it, it, it was just a time that, that I thought we needed to change, but uh, respect and appreciation for Terry is always there and will always be there. Um, so, yeah, we are uh, looking for a, a new head coach, and um, it's one of those those things, again, that it sounds cliche, but uh, you want to go as fast as you can, but you want to make sure you're thorough and you're broad in your search and deep in your search. And and sometimes your, your speed of the search is determined by uh, games that are being played in the postseason that there might be some some prospects, if you will, that, that have to finish what they're doing. Uh, and, and that's generally a good sign when you've got potential uh, head coaches that, that are still playing and will play for a couple weeks. So um, that, that is something, you know, hiring a head coach in any sport uh, takes a lot of focus. It takes a lot of concern. It takes a lot of talking <laughs> and, and cross-checking. Um, because, you know, you, you, you want to be as sure as humanly possible that who you think you are targeting and who you think you are about to hire is who you think they are. And, and you need to verify that with multiple people. And uh, so I, I enjoy doing it. It is admittedly a little um, high octane, you know, and uh, uh, it moves very, very quickly. But it's, it's really enjoyable to talk with, with professional coaches who that is their vocation and, and allow them to share information on um, their philosophy and what they do and how they do it. And, and it, it, um, you, you, you learn a lot throughout the interview process. So, yeah, we are in full speed and high gear. And uh, hopefully the sooner rather than later. But circumstances might dictate that it might take a little longer than you desire. Talking to Dr. Joel Erdman, Director of Athletics at South Alabama. Dr. Erdman, I, you, you've been at South Alabama for, for about 12 years now. I, I mean, can you, can you talk about just the impact that both Kane Womack and, and Richie Riley have had on the school as a whole and, and building the South Alabama brand? Well, and, and, and I can, you know, relate that question to this current search. Um, there are highly qualified people that are very interested in our university that, that maybe 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago, they, they would have been um, potentially not interested in it for whatever reason. I think the, the more that we achieve um, in, in competition and doing things the right way, and, and we, we get more notoriety on a regional and national scale by, by winning games, right? Um, that obviously changes our profile. And, and people um, notice us, and when they, they see us, they like what they see. And, and that, that turns into perceptions, that turns into reality. 
and you start to steamroll a little bit. And, and I, I use the term, you start going downhill and, and, and picking up speed. And, and that is tangible here. That is real. And not just in athletics or not just in a, a certain couple sports, but with, with across the board, um, it, it's fun to fight a battle and to, to push uphill. But uh, in the university and in the health system as a whole, the University of South Alabama is, is feeling momentum right now through leadership, through initiatives, and it's a great time to be a JAG. It really is. And uh, um, the part that I'm most intimately involved with is the 17 sports and, and the student-athletes that we serve. But the University of South Alabama here in Mobile is positioned very strongly, um, the academic side, the student life side, and the health system side uh, to just uh, do tremendous things in the near term and in the long term. Well, in the near term, the South Alabama baseball team will be hosting the Alabama Crimson Tide this coming Tuesday at 6.30 at Stanky Field. I know you have to be excited about that, Dr. Urban, as we continue to get ready to wrap this one up. Yeah, we, we really are. And and I will say this, tickets are, are flying out the door. So if, if you do have a... a um, a desire to go to the game uh, Tuesday. I would I would uh, contact our ticket office, or you can you can purchase online at usajaguars.com. Follow the appropriate ticket links, or uh, um, dial two five one four six one one USA. I, I would encourage people not to wait till game day to, to, to buy the tickets. They may not be there, um, but if you do want to join us. For a great night of college baseball, I would I would grab your tickets um, as soon as possible. Dr. Joel Erdman, the athletic director at the University of South Alabama, joining us this afternoon on the final drive. Dr. Erdman, always appreciate your time. It was great to see you Monday in Pensacola and moving forward here with our spring sports that South Alabama has, seeing you at these events as well. All right, Corey. Thanks, fellas, very much. Go Jags. Dr. Joel Erdman joining us here on the final drive. And when we come back, we'll talk a little bit about South Alabama getting ready to get their spring foot. I guess you would call it scrimmages started or spring practice. However you want to title it. Alabama's getting ready to get theirs started as well. We'll give you some key dates and some players to watch out for when we come back to the The ball is tipped and there you are You're running for your life You're a shooting star and all the years No one knows just how hard you worked But now it's Be the first to get in touch with Nick, 251-694-1055. Get him on the telephone to guarantee your spot in the March Madness Matchup Challenge at Moe's Barbecue downtown next Wednesday at 6 o'clock p.m. for a chance to win a brand-new flat-screen TV from Bailey's Television and Mattress and two one-hour jet ski rentals 
for you and two adults or two adults and one child, total of six, depending on how you do that math, from Gulf Coast Water Rentals. And we were talking about South Alabama getting started with spring football on March 17th. And we'll have their game Saturday, April 15th, their annual spring game, Alabama decided not to do what Auburn did in regards to how they're handling practice. The Crimson Tide has its 15-day spring practice schedule, and they won't have spring break. They'll start their spring practice after spring break, and, of course, the A-Day game, April 22nd. And, Nick, one shining moment meant that somebody will have an opportunity to qualify. That's right. Our next qualifier is Christy. Christy will be showing up. Christy, uh, congratulations. Well, Christy will ha- try to have an opportunity. Maybe she'll pick Alabama to be her team to go through the tournament with. And a lot of news out of Tuscaloosa in regards to preparing for the tournament, SEC tournament. And Brandon Miller finally made a comment today, and we'll hear from Brandon Miller. Um, I never lose sight of the fact um family has lost one of their um, loved ones that night. Um, this whole situation is just um, really heartbreaking. Uh, but respectfully, uh, that's all I'm going to be able to say about on that. little quick comment by Brandon Miller. At least he definitely addressed the situation. And I really thought that the university probably would have allowed him to make that same prepared statement prior to the SEC tournament. And, again, I thought it would have probably kind of fanned the flames that were fuming if that statement would have been made a couple of weeks ago. Well, it's a difficult situation media-wise because – you know, you put them in front of the media, in front of just Tuscaloosa media, I, I, it, it's going to be a different set of questions from what SEC media is going to ask versus what might be asked at the NCAA tournament. So I, I don't know. Obviously, he's not going to comment on it. I mean, he's going to be the star witness in a in a uh, murder trial probably a year or two into his NBA career. So, uh, you know, he can't comment on that now. I think that's about what he said is about all he can say. And, uh, you know, this is a 19, 20-year-old kid. It's, I mean, I, I, don't know what else, it, it, I don't know what else you want him to say at, the, at this point. They, they had a follow-up question, and they were asking him and, and Quinterly how it affected the team. Yeah. Uh, so let's hear what he had to say about that. Uh, I mean, we, we, we hear the chance. Uh, I feel like we just really lean on each other just to um, go to places like that and just try to – pull out tough wins yeah brandon uh just in the past you know month or so there's been just just criticism um the fact that you haven't sounded any games um how would you respond uh to that uh again i just lean on my teammates and you know we just go places to get wins great response there in regards to how he's personally handling the adversity that's in front of him, leaning on his teammates. And you can't take away the tragedy that occurred and a life that was lost. And Darius Miles is going to have his day in court. But at the same time, when you do not only lose a teammate in this situation and Alabama could have folded, they still continue to find a way to 
weather the storm and find a way to continue to be ranked number one and only lose a couple of times since this whole incident has occurred. Yeah, uh, purely from a basketball perspective, they certainly have not been playing as well since uh, Brennan Miller's involvement came out. So whether that is a reason, for, I mean, certainly Brennan Miller's performance hasn't suffered individually, but the team has not been the same team that was blowing SEC opponents out by 40 and 50 points. So and I guess that's up for you to decide uh, what the reasoning is for that, more so than anything, probably because it's not normal to just blow out teams by 40 and 50 points. But uh, regardless, I, they, they haven't looked very good over the last four games of the season. Uh, obviously struggled mightily in South Carolina and only won because Brandon Miller had such a fantastic game. And then against Auburn, what they were not very good, and, and they lose to Texas A&M. So, yeah, I mean, they, they, they haven't been the same team on the court we'll we'll see if we'll see if they can tune some things up in the sec tournament this week start making some threes where where do y'all think that alabama is going how far do y'all think they're gonna get in the march madness tournament i really think alabama can make it to the final four i really think that they can make history and of course auburn made it to the final four and made history in regards to being the second team in the state one 1994 Alabama women's team made it to the Final Four. The second one being Alabama, excuse me, Auburn's team that really got robbed uh, from a non-call. And then you're in a situation here to where I think Alabama is going to continue to to win the SEC tournament. I think that it's not going to be easy for them by any stretch of the imagination. But for them to find a way to be down 17 against Auburn, and win that game, even though they haven't played well leading into that game and since then, I think that this double bye will give them an opportunity to be recharged and refreshed and really have an yeah, opponent they, they out of Mississippi that. State and Florida to where I, I know that they can beat either Mississippi State or Florida, whoever wins that game, and then play the winner, possibly Missouri sitting there out of a double bye. And Missouri, maybe we'll see Tennessee uh, in that situation. So you may have an Alabama-Tennessee rematch there going into your quarterfinals. Yeah, uh, in terms of, to answer your question, Nick, I mean, it's so hard to predict. That's, that, that's why everyone fills out a bracket. I, I, I think if every the entire field of 68 played their best game six times in a row, I think Alabama wins the national championship. But that's just not how things work right. uh, in this tournament. Often the best team doesn't win. Uh, and Alabama hasn't played their best game in a really long time. So, I mean, I, I think they're definitely capable of making a Final Four run. I, I don't necessarily – I mean, there's nothing guaranteed in this tournament. We know that. So, uh, I, I'm going to dodge that question uh, expertly, I, I might uh, add. Okay. Well, I, I really – again, I think Alabama has all the ingredients to make it to the Final Four. And depending on how the brackets come out and who they're going to match up with at that point in time. Yeah, ask me again on Sunday. Mm, yeah. See, I, I, I think they have all the ingredients to be a big number one seed upset. So does every other number one seed. I, that, I mean, that's the beauty of it. Alabama a type of game, not like a lot of other college teams, where I think that they can start missing, they'll get down kind of like they were against Auburn, and they'll get against a team that isn't going to roll over at the end. I mean, look, 
every uh, year, you have a 40% chance of a one seed making it to the Final Four. It's not a guarantee. And I just feel like, especially with how lucrative and all the parity in college basketball this year, I don't know. I just have a feeling in my core. I think last year we had three one seeds. I think Alabama. I think Alabama is going to lose in the Sweet Sixteen. I, I mean, I again, I nothing is going to surprise me. I, I wouldn't be surprised about. I mean, I saw a simulation with them playing like a Creighton or a Xavier. I mean, these are bad matchups for Alabama. I, I'm not going to be shocked if a four or five seed. I'll be devastated, but I'm not going to be shocked if a four or five seed gets them in the Sweet Sixteen. Uh, it, it's the hard, the hardest thing to do in sports is to win a national championship in college basketball. It's it's so hard to even make the Final Four. Uh, so I, I, yeah, well, I have Alabama going far in my bracket, sure, but you know my bracket doesn't do well under normal circumstances, oh, no, so it's not a great indicator. Yeah, I Nick claims to be. It came to me in a dream. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well. So, <laughs> hey guys, look, I'm not giving out financial advice, but maybe maybe bet on them to get upset. All right, so I will be taking Alabama to win the national championship <laughs> yeah. based on based on the two, word two of Two extremes. Williams. We got two extremists right here and then one calm uh, collected guy right <laughs> I, there. I mean, I, again, I I do want to say like we're headed into winner go home time. Obviously not necessarily in the SEC tournament here for uh, a team like Alabama who's going to be a one seed regardless, but I mean, no matter what happens in March, uh, watching this team twice a week this year has been, it's been an absolute pleasure, uh, the ride that this Alabama team has taken the fans on. Uh, So, you know, no matter what happens, if they lose in the second round, I'll be forever thankful for what this team has done for the basketball program at the University of Alabama. So, I mean, I I, I want it so badly. Uh, I want it probably more than I've ever wanted anything sports-wise for this team to make a Final Four run. Uh, but I feel like it's not going to happen. Uh, well, you know, I, you know, sometimes I want things and they happen. Sometimes I want things and they don't happen. Uh, you know, I would I like to make the seven hour drive to Houston if Alabama makes a miracle run? Absolutely, and I will. But uh, you know, I, it's the hardest thing to do. But what's hard is staying healthy. I mean, UCLA's top defender. According to Jeff Goodman, is out for the rest yeah. of the season That's with huge. an Achilles injury. Huge. And when you start looking at the seeding lines for UCLA going in, being ranked in the top 25 or the top four in the country, that's going to be a difference maker when you start looking at the Bruins being able to get over the hump. You're listening to the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. And March Madness just getting started. Bucky McMillan. The head coach at Samford. They were the SoCon regular season champions. He'll join us next here on the final drive on WNSP 105.5. Hi, this is Phil Steele, and you're listening to WNSP 105.5. Welcome back to the final drive on WNSP 105.5. Corey LeBounty along with Michael Bronner and, of course, Nick Wiggins taking your telephone calls and doing a wonderful job producing the show. Taking your telephone calls at 251-694-1055. And as we're talking March Madness, I felt that had to talk with Samford University's 
head men's basketball coach Bucky McMillan. Of course, he's known for being a five-time state champion here in the state of Alabama. He was the 2018 National Boys Basketball Coach of the Year, according to USA Today. And Bucky brought his brand of basketball to the Sanford Bulldogs program. And Bucky McMillan, Congratulations on your success so far as the head coach at Sanford University, and welcome to the final drive with Corey Labonte and Michael Brauner. No doubt, guys. I appreciate y'all having me. Good to score. Good to see you the other day. As always, best time of the year down there at the Legacy Arena, man. Great seeing you. Absolutely. I had a blast calling that 6A Boys State Championship game. And again, Coach, when you start looking at what you've been able to accomplish, again, in three years at Sanford, when you came in as a young high school basketball coach in Mountain Brook, Alabama, Sanford decided with you being a Birmingham descendant right there to take a chance on you three years ago. And then now the success that you have this year at Sanford, talk about what it meant to you going and being successful at 21 and 11 this season. Well, it means a lot, you know, and I, it means a lot that, that I was granted the opportunity. You know, we have an awesome athletic director, Martin Newton, who, uh, you know, is as good as there is. He's just such a great guy to work for. And the whole athletic program is program at Sanford is rolling. I mean, we've we won it championships this year in track and men's basketball and women's soccer and volleyball. I mean, it's just been a, it's been a, situation where every sport we're, we're competing at a very high level and we'll be right there in the spring sports as well so um you know it's a great place a lot of winning going on and then obviously you know we've, we've had to had two really good years you know won 20 plus games uh finishes champions of the socon regular season and you know we're just we just want to keep the ball rolling and hopefully we can just keep getting better and better and you can see us in that NCAA tournament one day trying to make a run Coach, you guys came up a little bit short in your conference tournament, but again, 15-3, and three, a regular season conference record overall, 21-11. and 11. And on Selection Sunday, Coach, postseason play for the Bulldogs, is that something that definitely could be on the table? Well, so there's a, it's an interesting situation because when we won the league at Chattanooga, we knew we clinched a share of the title. Um, and we were told that regardless of our last game, that um, when you when you clinch the one uh, a share of the title, that you have the opportunity to make it to the NIT if you win your league. And if we did didn't win the tiebreaker and the other team won the tournament, which would have been Furman, we would be able to represent our league. But there's something in the bylaws that um, that may not be the case. So we were hoping NIT. We still got our fingers crossed for the NIT. But, um, you know, we're, we're unsure yet. But either way, we have postseason opportunities. My biggest concern, we had to go to that conference tournament and play without our two leading scorers. Well, excuse me, we didn't. We had to play without Quez Glover. He tried to go the first three, four minutes, but couldn't because his knee. And Logan Dye was, had to get, uh, you know, some, some shot in his knee to be able to play. So my concern is our health. Are we going to be healthy enough 
um, to, to play, and that's always a concern. You know, to, oh, let me say this: be healthy enough to be at our best. So we got to get these guys back healthy over the next week, and then, then evaluate where where we are. Well, you're talking about the evaluation period. I know Richie Riley down here at South Alabama. They lost in the conference championship to the Raging Cajuns in South Alabama, 20 and 16, or excuse me, 19 and 16 on the season, having played over 35 games and a brutal schedule. Asked about his postseason aspirations, he just went ahead and said, I, "I think it's in my guy's best interest that we shut it down." But again, I know that. If you are healthy enough to continue to play and you get the opportunity outside of those bylaws that the Bucky McMillan, I know definitely would love to get at it. Yeah. If we're, if we're in the NCAA tournament, obviously we'd, we'd want our lead. That's your, your playing. If we're in the NIT. That's something so special as well. We're playing. It would just be, if we're not in one of those two events, then, um, you know, we won't be in the NCAA tournament this year. Um, then, then, then you have those decisions to make and, I can understand what Coach Riley mentioned because you know health is a an injury is a real thing, and um, you know it just really you know I could give our example of our team this year we 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 end up losing to Chattanooga who was picked actually preseason by the media to come in second in the league we were picked right behind them we beat them at our place about the seventh eighth game of the year and. Then their big felt player, Jake Stevens, who's an NBA NBA prospect, goes down with an injury the next game, and they drop all the way down the seating because they, 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 they lost a lot in those last nine games, and he comes back for the conference tournament healthy, and we have Big Logan who's hurt. And so injuries is something you really, really, when you look at college basketball, this time of year, the healthy teams – are going to be the teams that really have a chance to make a run because these games are decided by those one, two, three, four points. Man, it, it, it's a real deal when you're when you playing teams that are healthy versus teams that, that are not healthy. Coach, again, you were a five-time high school basketball state champion at Mountain Brook. You took the college coaching job at Samford, and in your second year, your name Conference Coach of the Year. And This year, you guys tie and are co-champions for the regular season in your league. What is it about the opportunity for March Madness? What is it about when you look at, as a head coach, Jim Beheim breaking news, just decides to go ahead and retire at Syracuse, and he did it at the same institution for 47 years, and I know that's pretty much unheard of in moving forward in today's game, but March Madness, what does it mean to you in this time of year? It's the best time of year for regardless of level. I mean, it really is. Like, you look at the high school right here right here that happened in our state or any other state, the high school championships, when it starts, everyone's playing for a state championship. Like, it's a new season. But you can't say this team can't win a state championship. So when we started our conference tournament, if we win our conference tournament, we're playing in the NCAA tournament. And if we win the NCAA tournament, we're national champions. And people could say, well, that's a long shot. It is. That's a long shot for everybody. But you look at schools, even at our level, you know, Butlers, they played in two national championships. They were a shot away from winning one of those. Back-to-back national championships. You saw St. Peter's last year make that run. A team in our league, Davidson was in the Southern Conference, and they made their run. Um, so the reality of it is what makes it special is that this year, 
if we had won our conference tournament, which means we won those three games, and then we won the six games in the NCAA tournament, we're national champions. So everyone has that road in front of them playing to be national champions, and there, there's no greater feeling than that. And that's what makes it incredible because in, in, in other sports like football, if your regular season wasn't as good as you like it to be, there is a, there's not that opportunity in collegiate sports. There's not an event where you can win your conference, work your way into the big tournament, and go win a national championship. It's over. And so that dream's alive, and that dream of being the Cinderella is alive, and it's, it's an awesome feeling. Bucky McMillan, I can't thank you enough for taking time out of your busy schedule as the head men's basketball coach at Sanford University to join us here on the final drive. And as always, you know I love to see Bucky ball at any level. And again, you mastered it at the high school level, given an opportunity on a, as a young man to take advantage of your opportunity and to coach future pros at Mountain Brook and while you were there and being ranked as a top five program in the country and taking that brand of basketball to the next level at Sanford University. And I know you'll have your dancing shoes on very soon for <laughs> the Sanford Bulldogs in the near future. Just keep doing what you're doing, and I love to see it. I love it, Corey, man. Love the energy. Love what you do for basketball, man. We'll, we'll talk soon. Appreciate it. Bucky McMillan, the head men's basketball coach at Sanford University. They were co regular season champions in the Southern Conference, and he mentioned they may get snubbed for postseason opportunities, got put out in the quarterfinals. But, again, another great season by Bucky McMillan. You're listening to The Final Drive here on WNSP 105.5. Hey, this is Ladarius Owens, former Auburn football player and current CFL player. You're listening to WNSP. Welcome back to the final drive on WNSP 105.5. Want to thank Bucky McMillan the head men's basketball coach at Sanford University for joining us talking about the excitement of March Madness. And he's absolutely right. I mean, when you look at having an opportunity, I know here in the state of Alabama from a junior college standpoint, all teams are not invited. You five through eight sit at home and it's just the top four seeds from the Northern division and the Southern division. And when you get to March Madness, you can be that 16 seed. You can be that play in seed and still have an opportunity to have that one shining moment. And someone who did have a one shining moment, more than one shining moment in 47 years of coaching was Jim Beheim, who they got beat at the buzzer today. Syracuse did, lost to Wake Forest. And it looks like Jim Beheim is no longer going to be coaching the Orange. And when you look at Carmelo Anthony, being on that team as a freshman, probably one of the best, if not the best, Syracuse team he's ever had. I know Sherman Douglas and Coleman, Derek Coleman, who is from Mobile, Alabama. They had some great teams, but Jim Beheim officially calling it quits. Yeah, and I mean, I would assume he was probably encouraged by the school. Syracuse kind of been a program that obviously hasn't been for the past long time now what they've been 
during a lot of his tenure. So I, I'll just read off some of these accolades, man. 47 years, 1,100 wins, 700 win percentage, five Final Fours, 35 NCAA tournaments. And the one national championship in 2003, which I think just goes to show the guy was a coach of a major program for 47 years. Just illustrates the point of how hard it is to win in college basketball. He's been a coach for 47 years. He's made five Final Fours, and he's only won once. And it took a generational basketball player in Carmelo Anthony to finally get him over the hump. That's why, like, and we talked about this probably in the middle of, you know, early in the season when it was looking, you know, how special this Alabama team really is. Uh, and obviously acknowledging how hard it is to win, but saying it would be a disappointment if this team doesn't go to the Final Four the, or, or make make a make a deep run in March because you have a player like Brandon Miller. I mean, these players don't come around often, and these opportunities don't come around often. To winning winning college basketball is the hardest thing to do in sports, and. and I mean, this is, I just think Jim Beheim's career and the fact that he's won one national championship encapsulates it perfectly if you look at Alabama this year. I mean, you got you got the generational player. You got the best player to ever put on a uniform for your school, and he's only here for one year. If you, That's why, like, yes, it's so hard to make a Final Four, but it would be a disappointment if Alabama doesn't make the Final Four. Hakeem Warwick, Jerry McNamara. Some guy named Carmelo Anthony. Some guy. They they were all pretty good. And at the time when they did win that national championship, McNamara was only a freshman. Carmelo Anthony was only a freshman. Hakeem Warwick at six foot nine was blocking everything that came into the paint. He was only a sophomore. And, you know, you do have a lot of one and dones. So you didn't think that you were going to be able to keep that nucleus together for too long, especially with Carmelo Anthony, like you said, being a generational player. Yeah. But these guys don't come around often. Again, the guy was a coach for 47 years and won one national championship, and it took a player like Carmelo Anthony to make that happen. I mean, he made again five Final Fours. I, I believe uh, there was one more recent, but he made made it in 2013 in Atlanta, lost to Michigan in a close semifinal game. It's like it, it's just so, so difficult to win. I think he's the second He's 62. The guy's 62 and 24 in the NCAA tournament in his career and has won the national championship one time. It's these numbers are mind boggling. Has done so much for the game of basketball and, and Big East basketball. Yeah. I love yeah. the fact when Big East basketball, when you look at Big John Thompson and Jim Beheim, Lou Carnesecca, some of the legendary coaches that were part of Big East basketball and really made it fun. And then you add Coach Krzyzewski's robbery with Jim Beheim into it. Look at what you've lost over the last two years in college basketball in Beheim and Krzyzewski, and I know it can't last forever, but that's just a huge legacy from a basketball. Two Hall of Famers, and deservedly so, that will forever be remembered as Hall of Famers, and, of course, Krzyzewski won more titles than Bayheim. I think he won five. But, I, but I mean, really struggled to win those until he went back-to-back a couple of times. And Bayheim, like you said, has has had better teams, but only one national championship in 47 years. I mean, I, I mean, there's a certain point where 
I think I think the morning show talked about that. Like there should be a, a separate sector of, of Hall of Fame for 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 guys like this. And Shishovsky and Beheim probably both fall into that category of you know in their own category of legend. You know I don't I'm not a fan of Coach K, but but you'd be silly to acknowledge. Uh, you know how, how how legendary he was as a coach, and and Beheim maybe falls a bit short of that. But the guy was a coach of, for forty seven years at shit, the so, same institution. Know. That's yeah. what's remarkable. Yeah. He's seen the game transform. No three point line. The three point line is the era of basketball that Beheim was used to. And when we come back, the final drive here on WNSP one hundred five point five, we'll talk a little combines and how things are going trying to make it to the nfl and chasing your dream aj finley jr from old miss will be giving us a call here at the station joining us Live from Mobile, Sports Radio 105.5 WNSP presents 99 yards away. Win this game for one another. The final drive with Corey LeBounty and Michael Bronner. Do your job and play together. The final drive. Live on 105.5 FM and streaming on the Sound of Mobile app. I cannot believe it. Welcome to hour number three of the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. And want to welcome in our next guest. And he's from Mobile, Alabama, chasing his dreams of making it to the National Football League from St. Paul's Episcopal School. Went on to Ole Miss and was a successful defensive back there. A.J. Finley joining us this afternoon evening on the final drive aj how's everything going and thanks for joining us on the final drive everything is going good thanks for having me it's my pleasure and i want to thank you for for joining us and i i just know in watching you continue to become a better football player whether it's at st paul's and then making that decision to go to old miss what was it coming out of high school that made you want to go to Ole Miss and within the coaching changes that were made in your time there, wanted you not to hit the transfer portal. I feel like the main thing that went in my decision and going to Ole Miss was really, I just wanted to go somewhere where I would play early. Uh, that was really one of the biggest things that went into my decision. Um, really, I, I had the confidence in myself that whatever coaching staff came in, I feel like I would, I would have been successful with any coaching staff. So that's why I really didn't hit the portal. Well, I tell you, that's the best decision to me in showing loyalty and holding tight with the Ole Miss family. Talk about when Lane Kiffin comes in as the head coach of the Rebels. And I know he is an offensive guru and a mastermind there, but what it was like trying to slow down his offenses on a daily basis in practice. I mean, it was actually really fun. It, it, it made games really a, a whole lot easier most of the time. So facing them in practice, you see him, um, he'll he'll randomly call a random play during practice if he sees us in a certain defense and he'll probably score on one play. So it definitely kept you on your toes. But it was, it was honestly fun to go against the offense every day. AJ, I got to ask you, uh, being a four-year guy in, in the SEC, 
Well, I'll ask you two and one. Who is the most talented quarterback you went up against that was most difficult to prepare for? And same question uh, at the position of wide receiver. Uh, I, I have to go with my guy, Matt Corral. Facing him, he, he was probably the best quarterback that I've faced. But if we if we're talking about opponents, I'd definitely say Bryce Young. Uh, he, he's, a, he's a different type of guy. He's, he's probably one of the most composed quarterbacks I've played in college. Uh, receivers, I'd have to go back to my – Maybe freshman year when I played Jerry Judy, that was that was probably the toughest receiver I ever had to play. Those are the two answers we were looking for on this <laughs> station, AJ. <laughs> no doubt about it. But, AJ, when you start looking at how you developed as a football player and what you learned at St. Paul's and the competition and success that you had in high school at St. Paul's, how did that help you transition and get ready for SEC football? I mean, it really did help me a lot. Uh, I feel like I feel like a lot of guys are not really ready for college football because it, it's 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 really a different type of thing than uh, high school football. If you're not you're not really prepared for it, I feel like they prepared me well at St. Paul's, and uh, I really do thank them for that. Honestly, so the transition from high school to college was really kind of easy for me. So I'm I'm really thankful for that. Well, again, you three straight Alabama 5A state championships from 2015 to 2017, and you were able to run the football at St. Paul's on the yeah. offensive side. And again, you chose Ole Miss over Tennessee and Iowa and places like Duke and had an opportunity to be coached by Steve Mask while you're at St. Paul's. What you think about Steve Mask coming back to Mobile, Alabama and getting back here along the Gulf Coast? I'm happy for him. Uh, I honestly think he's one of the best high school coaches in the state. So uh, seeing him coming back to Mobile, uh, it's honestly going to be fun for him. Uh, I feel like he's going to be very successful where he's, wherever he's at, so I'm looking forward to it. Well, i tell you what you definitely probably are looking forward to is all the sweat equity that you put in trying to chase your dreams of making it to the NFL. And you went out and had an outstanding East-West Shrine game to where you had three picks on the third day of Shrine Bowl practice. Talk to us. That's when you're putting things on tape against elite talent that's in an all-star Shrine Bowl practice, you getting those three interceptions, that just shows your abilities as a ball-hawking defensive back. Uh, for sure. I feel like, I feel like one of the, the best things about my game is my, like, I feel like my knowledge of the game, it, it really helps me a lot. I, I feel like I'm in the right place at the right time most of the time throughout the game, so... I feel like that's really what happened. Uh, most of the, most of the time when I catch an interception, I just end up to happen, having to be in the right place at the right time. So I feel like that's what happened. Well, not only being in the right place at the right time, the NFL is all about getting an opportunity. And whether your name is called throughout the NFL draft, of course, we've seen so many free agents be hungry and make that opportunity. I know I was looking at a local product, Michael Pierce, who was an undrafted free agent right here from Daphne High School and went in and made a roster with the Baltimore Ravens. And I know that you've been training and working hard trying to make that. What type of projection or what type of position do you think you'll play safety in the National Football League or wherever the best fit is for you as long as you get that opportunity to make your impact on a roster? That's what matters. I for sure think I'll be a safety in the, at the next level, uh, whether it's box safety or high safety. I feel like I can play both of them, honestly. So 
I feel like my, my skill set allows me to do a lot of different things, and I feel like that'll be very, very valuable to any team that picks me up. What goes into getting ready for the NFL draft? I mean, you know what it takes to hear your name called and the training that's going on right now. Where are you training, and how many times a day are you training? So I'm working out uh, at Exos in uh, Frisco, Texas. Uh, I work out probably – I work out every day but Sunday. Uh, three days a week, I work out three times a week, and then every other day is just twice a day. So, it's, I mean, it's its not bad, but it, it's a grind. No doubt about it. We're speaking with A.J. Finley, and he was a safety at Ole Miss. Saw action on special teams as a true freshman. There's not many true freshmen that can come into the Southeastern Conference and find their way onto the field. And, of course, your freshman year, you had an opportunity to play a little defensive back in a backup role. But definitely with your speed and your versatility for special teams, if it's not as a safety, I think that you can definitely make yourself valuable on that next level as a special team specialist as well because that's part of that 52-man roster, which so is, is so important to have guys that can just bust their tails day in and day out and do the dirty work to get things done. Uh, that, that definitely is. like uh, I'm, I'm kind of sad that I didn't play more special teams after my freshman year because I really didn't play much special teams after that. But I, I, if you want to make a roster, I feel like you got to be able to play special teams. So I'm, I'm confident in my ability to do it. So uh, I'm looking forward to it. Saying that you're sad that you didn't play more special teams. That's I, the, you know, you're speaking gold to NFL teams, AJ. But <laughs> I, I was just watching your, uh, your uh, game winning pick six against Texas A&M in 2021. It's a heck of a play. Is that, is that mm. the most satisfying thing a defensive back can do? Or, 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 you know, would you rather have a pass breakup where you just play it technically and, and just your mechanics are perfect and, and, and you break up the play? I don't. I, as a DB, I honestly don't think there's anything better than a pick six. Uh, that that's probably that probably is the highlight of my career, uh, the most memorable moment of my career. So I, I don't think there's anything better than a pick six. Well, having an opportunity to have any type of preseason or postseason All SEC honors is tremendous. Talk about also from a degree standpoint. You talked about being cerebral in the game and being able to read and see. Look at your education at Ole Miss and talk to us about what you did academically also. I actually just graduated in December. Uh, I got a, a degree in finance. So, I mean, I, honestly, it was it was pretty tough to balance that with, with the football schedules. But, uh, I mean, I feel like it, it was well worth it. Uh, having that finance degree, it'll, it'll take me a long way. Well, AJ, did you have a favorite team growing up? I know – you know, my partner here, Michael Bronner, he loves the New England Patriots. Of course, I grew up a Miami Dolphins fan. And was there any particular team that, or from a park ball standpoint, of course, we have all the NFL teams named after here, whether it's the Municipal Park Raiders or the Eight Mile Giants. You can pick a NAVCO Vikings. It doesn't matter. Was there a particular team that you really loved growing up from an NFL standpoint? I mean, I'm the type. I'm, I've never really had a favorite team. I've just had a bunch of favorite players. So uh, I never, I've never really could say that I've, I've had a team that I was like, this is my team. But I've, I've had a few players that I've, I've liked to watch. But I did play for the uh, Ravens when I was little. So 
that'd be funny to see if I actually do get picked up by them. See, AJ knew I was a Patriots fan, and that's why he made the special teams comment because he knows Bill Belichick is a big listener of our program. <laughs> I understand that. And if you, those players that you mentioned that you really loved watching growing up, who 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 are those players, and who do you currently kind of model your game after? So growing up, I, I as I said, I was a Ravens fan. So the Ed Reed, the uh, the Troy Palomalos, those those two were my two favorites. Uh, now I'd, I'd say the guys that I like, I like to watch a lot of different type of play styles, like safeties wise. Uh, so I like to watch a lot of Buda Baker, uh, Justin Simmons, Derwin James, and Minka Fitzpatrick. So I, I've got all types of play styles that I like to watch. All great ones that you mentioned, and I know you will go on to be a great one yourself, and we look forward to seeing you continue to progress and get an opportunity to crack an NFL roster because, again, I do believe that your sweat equity will pay off. And you went to Ole Miss from St. Paul's and hopefully make that roster here when the NFL season kicks off 2023-24 style. But we'll definitely keep up with you, AJ, and don't be a stranger here to the final drive with Corey LeBounty and Michael Brauner here on WNSB. Sure. AJ Finley joining us this afternoon on the final drive, talking about what it takes to be a successful collegiate athlete and want to thank him for his time taken away from his training to join us here on the final drive when we come back here on the final drive again don't forget we're still qualifying listeners for our 2023 march madness matchup challenge that will be held at moe's barbecue next wednesday march 15th you're listening to the final drive on wnsp Hello, Mobile. This is Damian Craig, and I'm listening to Sports Station WNSP. The ball is tipped, and there you are. You're running for your life. You're a shooting star, and all the years, no one knows just how hard you worked. But now it's One shining moment, that means you have a couple of moments to call Nick on the phone to guarantee your spot in our March Madness matchup challenge at Moe's Barbecue downtown next Wednesday. That's March 15th at 6 o'clock p.m. And a chance to win a brand new flat screen television from Bailey's TV and mattress and two one hour jet ski rentals for you and up to three friends that can be two adults and one child on two different jet skis. And that is courtesy of Gulf Coast Water Rentals. And make sure you give Nick a call for that one shiny moment. And I know as soon as you heard that music, the phones were going to start blowing up and Nick, do we already have a caller? That's right. Connor is our next qualifier. Connor. Congratulations to Connor for qualifying. Looking forward to meeting all these listeners. I agree with you. You have to show up to Moe's Barbecue downtown at 6 o'clock p.m. next Wednesday, not only to call and qualify, but to qualify to win our spectacular grand prize. Huge grand prize. Of the water ski opportunity from Gulf Coast Water Rentals as well as that flat screen television that everybody wants to watch it. 
Genuinely, it is the best thing we do when we have a remote where we can come out and meet some of y'all that, uh, you know, give us support and give us some of your day every day. So, you know, even if you don't qualify, well, there are eight open spots, even if you don't qualify. But regardless, come out and we'll, uh, we'll have a good time. And that's huge when you start having an opportunity to, to meet and greet all of the listeners who make the final drive what it is each and every day. I know stepping into these shoes, I look forward to seeing a lot of new faces and what better place to do that at Moe's. And I know Moe's downtown next Wednesday at 6 o'clock p.m. is where we will be, and we want to see you there too, especially if you're a qualifier because you have that opportunity to have your one shining moment and if that's the case, then someone wants to have their one shining moment by calling the final drive this evening. Caller, good afternoon, and thanks for calling the final drive. Hey, uh, this this is Jason, man. I, Jason, I'm, I'm pretty much like like y'all. I got all my eggs in one basket, man. It, it, it's gonna suck if they get broke. J- Jason, we talked about this probably, what, like a month ago, two months ago, and and the reality of the situation is, yeah, I mean, they might, Alabama might lose in the Sweet 16. It it can happen. They might lose in the round of 32. They're not going to lose to a 16 seed. They might lose in the round of 32. It can happen. But, yes, all my eggs are in this basket, man, because we don't know when we're going to have a team this good again. And I expect that Alabama is going to be a regular in the NCAA tournament under Nate Oates. And, you know, you get into the tournament, you never know what's going to happen. But they're not going to have a team this talented for a long, long time. They're not going to have a player as talented as Brandon Miller for a long, long time. So the reality of the situation Uh, is, if you don't get it done this year, go ahead. I'm, I've been watching. I'm 53, man, and I love Alabama football, but I, I equally love basketball. I mean, I've, I've, I don't know. I just it, this is the best chance I've seen. Let me ask you this, I mean, Jason. I, would you uh, yeah. a, 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 would you take Alabama football not qualifying yeah. for a bowl next year to yeah. for this team to make the yeah. final four? Yeah. I, I would, too. Yep. I, I absolutely would, too. But it, it will be historic. I, we had Wimp Sanderson on last week when I was in Birmingham and was talking to Coach Sanderson about his chances of some of his best Alabama teams just couldn't make it past the Elite Eight. Coach Godfrey, they make it to the Elite Eight, and it'll be historic. And the type of buzz that would be not only around this state but around the program would be tremendous. Yeah, I, I, I mean – all those good teams and all those good players that Wim Sanderson had, we could never get past Sweet 16. I mean, and and I mean, it's it's now or never. I think it really is. Jason, want to thank you for tuning in to the final drive and calling in and giving us your opinion about the Alabama Crimson Tide and the upcoming tournament March Madness that is even in the SEC tournament but we were getting ready to also talk about Derek Carr continuing to chime in and make a little little money and cash and it's very rarely that you see brothers have an opportunity at the same position to excel in the NFL whether one has a longer career than the other and of course Derek Carr now signing with the New Orleans Saints and do the Saints get better at quarterback without Jameis Winston or Andy Dalton? And do they go ahead and take that cap space and get rid of Jameis Winston and, and allow him to be around the locker room? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't think asking if the Saints get better is, is the right question because they definitely get better. 
I, and they, they, if you if you're not getting better, I mean, you're you're handing the guy eighty million dollars guaranteed by putting pen to paper. But you've seen that plenty of times where well, you I'll, hand the guy I'll, plenty of money and you don't get better. But Russell he, Wilson. well, <laughs> okay, I mean, that, that's what I'm talking first about right pick. there. Fair enough, but you don't I mean, get better. They they won seven games and quarterback play was their biggest issue. But I mean, is is forty million dollars more in your books worth maybe two okay, more wins? That that. That's a better question than do they get better? Because of course they get better. I I mean, and to consider anyone, I mean, I, I, yeah, of course they do. Okay. I mean, they just made a big upgrade now, at the most important position on the field. But, but does the rest of the roster suffer because of that? I mean, we'll have to. I mean, ask me again in a month after after free agency. I keep asking but, you these questions, and you keep well, telling yeah, me to ask the old, them again the old, later. The old kick the can down the road method. It's a it's a radio. You're specialty. like that magic eight ball, you know. <laughs> don't be, don't will be, she go out with me? Show. Try don't again. Be, don't be telling the people how the sausage is made. They're exposing all the radio <laughs> secrets. But no, in all seriousness, like of course, of course, they're better now. They're better now than they were three days ago. Okay. I, I I think you'd be ridiculous to argue otherwise. And they're the clear favorites in the NFC South. The Buccaneers are going to be starting Kyle Trask at quarterback. That is a reality. The Falcons are going to be starting Desmond Ritter at quarterback. That is also a reality. Not we'll necessarily. Uh, I think, I, well. I could see Atlanta. We got the eighth pick. You know who's projected to go around eight? Anthony Richardson. Yeah. And if you, you're starting Anthony Richardson week know, one, you're going to be better off with Desmond Ritter. I can tell you, you that. you know, Atlanta, they're, they're likely to, to trade up and try to get that Bears pick. Maybe. Maybe and, and roll with Bryce Young. You go get Bryce Young, and then then uh, then I'll take Atlanta to win the division. Fine, but I, I'm for, just saying. Look, Arthur Smith. Look, we got sixty-four million dollars <laughs> in cap space. Something's gonna happen. They know. I mean, if you've watched any NFL show up until uh, yesterday, when they said that it's not gonna happen, Lamar Jackson and Atlanta were one of the favorite pairings. We run heavy. People thought it were gonna, was gonna work. We went in on Deshaun, and we didn't get it. They thought we'd go for Lamar. We're out on Lamar, but I don't necessarily think that means we're sold on Ritter. I think we're thinking, look, if we're going to have to give up two picks to get Lamar anyway, Might as we well could probably give up two young. picks and go up to one or two and get one of these elite uh, young I, quarterbacks. I, I get the logic there, and, and honestly, I think it's very sound logic. I would rather have Bryce Young than Lamar Jackson, too. I'd probably rather have C.J. Stroud than Lamar Jackson, for that matter. Uh, again, you have to cons- you have to weigh the fact that it's a rookie deal versus whatever right. you'd have to pay Lamar Jackson. Uh, obviously, you'd have to if you're Atlanta sitting at eight, you're gonna have to give up draft capital regardless there, whether it's Lamar Jackson or moving up for one of those guys. So uh, yeah, if I'm Atlanta, I'd probably rather have Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud. But that being said, I mean, and then but the original point, the Panthers are are in that Sam Darnold, Matt Corral. I I think Matt Corral could be okay, but. I don't think they're going to be any good this year. I mean, the Saints are going to win the NFC South. I, I, I'm going to sit here confidently on March 8th and that say can. that. You're not going to kick I, that no, I know. No, ma- no, matter what right. ha- no matter what happens this offseason, unless something completely drastic like what, the Panthers uh, getting what? Aaron Rodgers or something like that, which I don't think is going to happen, as we sit here on March 8th, I can confidently say the Saints are going to win the well, NFC look, South. A- Atlanta basically had the same record as New Orleans with a— Way lesser of a roster uh, with a lot of injuries. And now we got $64 million in cap space to spend. You don't think that that, even though last year our records were similar, and now we're adding on $64 million worth of talent, you don't think that that gives Atlanta a shot to win the division? I guess it depends how much of an upgrade you think Derek Carr is from Andy Dalton and, or slash Jameis Winston. Because, I mean, the Saints... Biggest issue last season was quarterback play. I mean, I think 
that's uh, we're all in agreement on that. That's that was what's been holding them back for a couple of years now. And Derek Carr is going to come in and he's not going to come in and be a top five quarterback, but he's going to do what the Saints need him to do. And he's more he's just significantly more capable than anything they have or have had since Drew Brees. I, this, would you would you draft Derek Carr in a fantasy league? I, what does that matter? I'm just asking. Would you? Because that means that he, he that means he's having good production and he's uh, having good games. He's getting at least what two fifty and two touchdowns a game. Tua was like fantasy quarterback three this year when he was on the field. That doesn't mean I think he's good. Well, yeah, but he had Tyreek and Waddle. I that's I, my what, point. What I'm, what do you think the average stat line? And this is for you and Corey. What do you think the average stat line for Derek Carr is going to be next year? I'm thinking he's. He's 200 yards, one touchdown, one pick. I think it doesn't matter if they're winning games. I mean, that Cardinals game on Thursday night this year where Andy Dalton threw two pick sixes in the first half, I think that thing, that kind of thing is not going to be happening. Well, didn't Derek Carr give up the most comebacks of like all time or something? Yeah, I think, I think I, I, I'm going to just choose to blame more of that on Josh McDaniels yeah, than Derek the Carr. Kick the can. Uh, Co- well, Corey, what, what, are you, what are you thinking here, man? Are you buying into the Carr hype or are you... Are you kind of more on my side? I, I, I'm. I think he will give the Saints a couple of more wins. And does that mean that they win the division? I think that the Falcons will be better and more competitive because the Falcons did give a couple of games away, just like the way the Saints did. So you're either getting better or you're getting worse. There's no. There's no in between there in the NFL because you know some of the ways that the Saints found to lose games should not have happened from a quarterback production standpoint whether it was Jameis Winston or Andy Dalton. And it's same thing with the Atlanta Falcons. You had games won, and you found ways to lose them. So It's a common theme in the NFC South, isn't it? I, it, it really is. The Saints were in a game against Arizona that Andy Dalton threw four picks in. I, I mean, it's just... They were in it in like the towards the end of the third quarter into the fourth quarter. Yeah, I mean, Arizona sucks. I mean, I'm not I'm not disagreeing with that, but it's a game they lost that they would have won with better quarterback play. I mean, that's an exact. I mean, I have to I have to go through the rest of the schedule, but I think Derek Carr gives them four more wins last year, it, like at least probably. They win the division last season with Derek Carr. I'm never gonna come on the show and slander TB12, but that team stunk. The Bucks what? were terrible. The Bucks were bad. Well, he, he, here's the thing with Derek Carr. Will he stay healthy? Okay, uh, because his biggest thing—I mean, he's played consistently 16 games and 17 games over his career—and you start looking at the minimum number of passing yardage that he's had since he's been in the National Football League have been over 3,000. Now, when you start looking at his touchdown-to-interception ratio. I think maybe his work or his best year was throwing 32 touchdowns and 13 interceptions. I think he tore his ACL and you know Derek Carr, a user in the app says five games better, 35 touchdowns yeah. and 12 picks. Five that's games. that's that's right around what his that's best like his season best. in Oakland. That, Oakland if you was. get the best out of Derek Carr, which I don't, I I think Derek Carr's best football is probably behind Did him. Derek at this Carr, point. I feel like we're all just like oblivious to the fact that Derek Carr had one of the best 
offenses around him last year. You talking about this past year? Yeah, Josh Jacobs, the best running back in the NFL. Hey, here's Devontae Adams, yeah, your old teammate. This we're, isn't mad. We're going to make you happy. Now we pair you guys up. Uh, actually, get out of here. <laughs> you had Hunter Renfro, who's pretty <laughs> he, he He missed a lot of the season, too. Uh, Darren Waller, he missed time, but he's still one of the top five tight ends in the league. All that, you have all that. And they kicked you out of town. I'm just going to choose to blame Josh McDaniels. Honestly, I, I that team was a mess as a whole. And I don't know. I Again, if if I were the Saints and could go back four years, I would have just committed to a complete rebuild and maybe I'd have a shot. Uh, maybe I'd have a different quarterback already by now. But they had to give Derek Carr $40 million, and it is what it is. Well, he's going to get shown the bag. Can he have results from that bag? And what kind of roster will he be surrounded with both defensively and offensively because it doesn't matter what kind of numbers he puts up offensively if the Saints defense doesn't step up to the plate it's not going to matter for New Orleans fans especially in that division you're listening to the final drive here on WNSP 105.5 Corey LeBounty, Michael Bronner, and Nick Wiggins behind the glass Hey, this is Julian Zeus McClurkin with the world-famous Harlem Globetrotters, and my favorite station is WNSP Sports Radio 105.5 FM. The ball is tipped, and there you are. You're running for your life. You're a shooting star, and all the years, no one knows just how hard you worked. But now it's That song, One Shiny Moment by Luther Vandross, means it's March Madness matchup challenge time and be the first to get Nick on the phone and to guarantee your spot in our March Madness matchup challenge at Moe's Barbecue downtown next Wednesday at 6 o'clock p.m. And we'll be broadcasting live from Moe's Barbecue and look forward to seeing all of our qualifiers to where we'll even have eight open spots available so you can have your chance to get in to become that qualifier the night of the event and that night is again next wednesday march 15th six o'clock p.m to have an opportunity to win a tremendous grand prize which is a flat screen television from bailey's tv and mattress as well as having two one-hour jet ski rentals for you and up to three people on two separate jet skis that can be two adults and one child or two adults from our friends at gulf coast water rentals and I know that phone started ringing as soon as we played Luther Vandross. Nick, who's our winner? That's right. Our winner, well, haven't really won anything yet, but our qualifier, qualifier uh, this time is Mike. So Mike! congrats to Mike. <laughs> you know, that's, that's yeah. a hell of a name. Great name. But, you know, Corey, <laughs> while the grand prize is amazing, I've heard a little rumor that for our listeners who come out and may – happen to unfortunately get stuck with maybe a 16 seed or a 15 seed we may have some consolation small prizes that we might be giving out the night of the event so even if you don't get that blue blood or one of those top seeds you're still going to be leaving happy and having a great time Point, the bigger 
point here is that Corey and I are going to be doing our show live from Moe's. So why wouldn't you come out? We're going to shake some hands, kiss some babies. It's going to be great. Well, I, I'm looking forward to it, and that's that's the biggest. Don't bring your kids. <laughs> <laughs> that's the biggest event that right. you have for March Madness at Moe's. I know that this station has been doing that for several years, and it's one of the best turnouts that we do have to where Selection Sunday will have passed. You'll have an opportunity to to fill out your brackets there. We could have like a group bracket fill in. There's going to be first four games on. There's going to be drinks. There's going to be barbecue. Like, why would you not come out? Even if you don't qualify, come out. It's going to be fun. Do we need to get a? We need to get a bracket. Yeah, uh, we'll get we'll get some, we'll get something going on uh, online. Listeners, would you guys if we, if we did a bracket challenge where you just fill out your bracket? We'll have everyone here at work do it. Mark, Lee, Corey, Michael, myself. Uh, we can just have all the listeners hop on and yeah, we'll get bragging some. rights, we'll get, get into it. On there. Um, so, yeah, maybe we'll, we'll get that set up maybe at the first of next week. I'm looking forward to, again, the March Madness matchup challenge at Moe's Barbecue next Wednesday. March 15th at 6 o'clock p.m. is when the fun starts and Mike and I's Final drive will start before then, and what has started is free agency frenzy in the NFL, and before we went to break, we were talking about Derek Carr, whether he would be able to take the Saints to the next level in year number one and be divisional champions. We don't know so far if Lamar Jackson is going to even decide to play. He has the opportunity to hold out. You don't have holdouts too often. I think Le'Veon Bell was the last big-time free agent who decided to sit out an entire season and miss out on that money. But Lamar Jackson not having an agent and his mom representing him and he represented himself, that makes it a little bit different situation for the Baltimore Ravens. And I just don't know if they'll be able to – not afford to have Lamar Jackson because who will the Baltimore Ravens turn to if Lamar Jackson's not going out at quarterback starting for the Ravens? Well, they had Snoop Huntley start a playoff pro game. bowler. Uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and Mac Jones was a pro bowler his rookie year too, but you don't hear me touting that touting that information. He was a pro bowler, but you know that that term doesn't mean a whole lot. It's a weird situation, man. I mean, Lamar, I don't. I don't know. I mean, I guess I mean I didn't really think of it until you kind of just brought it up. The possibility of him sitting out the season is not completely out of the realm, and not the most bizarro thing. Because I mean, when have you seen a free agent like this that that's tagged and teams immediately say they're not interested? But then it's like, what what's the point of you sitting out? What are you sitting out and waiting for? Right now, you're able to test the market, get an offer from anyone, talk to anyone, it's and, like, but the and offers no aren't, one gives but the offers you what aren't you want, coming. Like, well then, well the, I would assume that offers would be there if maybe he adjusted his asking price. Like think, to the Daniel Jones contract. Obviously, he's worth more than Daniel Jones. I just don't necessarily think any quarterback in NFL history may be worth what the Cleveland Browns are trading to Sean. And I they like y'all said yesterday. You know, him and his mom are walking into every office saying, "If Deshaun got that, he needs an agent. Give it to me." I, I, and I hate to just say that, but uh, I mean, he this it would be a lot simpler if uh, you know he had someone a, a, a voice that's you know professionally has handled negotiations and, and is able to 
you know, just smoothly handle things with the team. Uh, you know, I it's I can't remember the last time a star quarterback it, like this didn't have an agent in, in negotiations. And, and I don't know if it's necessarily as far as a star quarterback, but, I mean, again, teammate, his teammate, Roquan yeah. Smith, middle linebacker for the Ravens, negotiated his own deal, five-year, $100 million for a middle linebacker. That's that's not too shabby in regards to your own negotiations. Now, we know that the quarterback position, again, Cleveland, the Browns, broke the market. And everybody who who even comes close to trying to study the numbers and the value and the worth of Deshaun Watson and the Cleveland Browns, going and paying him knowing that he was not going to play half of the season that's absurd but again that's the cleveland browns for you yeah it's the guaranteed money i think that's the big stick i mean roquan uh, not having an agent is a, is a good example and the big contract for him good on him for negotiating that without a contract without an agent rather uh i think that the guaranteed money here is the big sticking point you know allegations are being thrown around of collusion that nfl owners don't want another contract like Deshaun Watson's to to be given and I understand why I, I mean fully guaranteed it, I mean it, that's a, a term that'll make NFL owners shake well it's going to be all about that offer sheet because you look at what he signed it's the non-exclusive franchise tag and right now you're sitting at 32 million that 32.4 as a matter of fact that comes against the salary cap this season for the Ravens. So Lamar Jackson either signs the offer sheet with the Ravens and they don't match, or he inks a long-term deal with the Ravens. But ultimately, I think that Jackson is going to find a way to find that happy medium with Baltimore, especially with all his teammates urging ownership as well as the head coach. Get it done. Find a way to get it done. Just pay the man already. You're listening to the final drive on WNSP 105.5. Corey LeBounty, Michael Bronner, and Nick Wiggins joining you on this hump day. Hey, this is Buckus Blakes from the world-famous Harlem Globetrotters, and you're listening to WNSP in Mobile. brother that elevated me, inspired me, challenged me to be a better player, just to be a better man overall. I miss him. I miss him so much. Like- the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. Paul Gasol having his jersey retired in the Raptors in Los Angeles and you know, when you start talking about Paul Gasol's career, Nick, I, I, I'm not quite sure whether his jersey should have been retired as a Laker, but to see it up there with Magic Johnson and Jerry West and Kobe Bryant, that, that means that management did feel he was one of the best, if not one of the best teammates all time in Lakers history. Yeah, I think... Uh just right now, especially how stats are overblown in today's NBA, Pau Gasol may be one of those guys that might get lost in history just because he doesn't stand out statistically. Um, but, I mean, he was – I mean, you can look up interviews of Kobe uh, saying this, how just invaluable Pau Gasol was. He, 
he just did whatever he needed to to win. If Kobe was scoring, Pau Gasol knew he needed to uh, play better defense. If Kobe's shot was off, he knew he needed to get down low and get some points. He just was the perfect teammate for Kobe Bryant. So I I think it was a great uh, moment to retire his jersey. I, I, I think it was well-deserved. 12th player in franchise history to go along with George Mikan and Wilt Chamberlain, of course, El Captain Abdul-Jabbar and Shaquille O'Neal. And regardless of what you think about Paul Gasol, bottom line at the end of the day, anytime the Mamba has positive things to say about you, and when you start looking at internationally, when the Olympics would come oh, every yeah. two years to qualify and every four years where the game was played, the Gasol brothers were always talked about and were the key of any scouting report for any country, and he represented his country very well, also internationally. Yeah, no, Pau Gasol, man, he's legit. I don't know if, I don't think he's in the Hall of Fame yet, but he will be, uh, no question. Been nominated, yeah, 2023. Because, you know, it's not, um, it's not just a strictly NBA Hall of Fame. It's a the basket basketball yeah, Hall it's of a Fame. it's a basketball Hall of Fame, so... Uh, and like you were saying, when it comes to the sport of basketball on a global uh, perspective, Pau Gasol is right up there. Uh, Spain is maybe the second best uh, basketball team when you get to the Olympics. Um, just about every year, they're right up there. Who's the best? Uh, I would probably say America. Yeah, <laughs> no, no question about that. And, and you know, Gasol, I have them like fourth. Slovenia <laughs> is creeping up there. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, the gap gets closed every year in the NBA draft when you see more and more international players. Well, who, who have the past five MVPs been? Right, a yeah. Slovenian right. and a Greek guy. Yeah, and that that just goes to show. But at the end of the day, the Lakers organization. This isn't your jersey being retired by the Basketball Hall of Fame yet. You did win back-to-back -back world championships in 09 and 2010. And I think that he's very worthy of, again, the, the accolades that have been bestowed upon him post-retirement. But to, to have his jersey retired as a Lakers fan, whether you like the Lakers or not, you couldn't def take away from the fact that Gasol was going to get buckets defensively. He Offensively, he was the key cog in helping them to win back-to-back -back world championships. And I, like I say, me personally, I probably would find other Lakers that probably could have their jersey retired and put who, in the Raptors. Who would you think would be more deserving than Powell? Uh, when you say 12 all-time for his story of a franchise the Lakers is and that Powell is always one of them. They are picky. And, and that's why I, 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 I would definitely have an answer for you on that one. Who I would choose... I'm, I'm not going to kick. The, I'm going to kick the can until tomorrow. Do Kobe's eight and twenty-four count in those twelve? Yeah, they're both up there. Okay, so it's eleven players. Um, now that I don't know if it's twelve <laughs> jerseys, twelve players, well, eleven players. 12 we'll, we'll have to investigate yeah, that and know. get back to it tomorrow. But man, you, you just can't help but get emotional. You know, watching that, watching the crowd start chanting for Kobe, knowing how Pau Gasol has stepped up. Uh, you know, after the passing of Kobe and Gigi, and been there for Vanessa. It, it was just a beautiful thing to see. It was, and I tell you, I want to thank all our guests today here on the Final Drive. Bill Bender from the Sporting News, Dr. Joe Erdman from South Alabama, Bucky McMillan, head basketball coach at Sanford, a 
Jade Finley also joining us here on the final drive this afternoon. And we'll be qualifying more tomorrow morning and on the final drive for our March Madness contest. And we'll talk to you tomorrow.